G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Sean Hart, a genuine AFL legend of the game, played his best years at the Brisbane Lions. Sean is with us. Hey, Sean, welcome along to 2020. Thank you very much. Great to be along and uh, sorry for any uh, issues early. Uh, I've hopefully rectified it now. (laughs) Hey, Sean, uh, even at this very moment, uh, you're in Melbourne and there is a grand final parade that happens on the eve of the AFL grand final. You know what it's like to be sitting in those cars and uh, being driven through the streets and cheering fans. What it's like, uh, what's it like uh, when you're in those uh, grand final processions? Uh, it's absolutely exhilarating, to be honest. It's uh, really amazing to see just how many people do come out. Uh, they love the game of AFL, of course, in Victoria more than anywhere almost, it seems. And, and people flock from all over Australia to be part of Grand Final Week, in particular the, the parade and the, the big day on Saturday. So it's very, uh, very exciting. Uh, it's funny, as an athlete uh, involved in the game, though, you, you soak it in. But that's, uh, it's, a, it's a really nice time. Uh, but then as soon as the uh, the parade's done, you get back to the hotel and uh, and the mind starts ticking over again about what's ahead and what, what challenges lay ahead to be able to actually take the premiership the next day. One of the reasons I feel very privileged to have you as part of 2020 today and just get some reflections from you is that the Lions are trying to win their first AFL premiership since 2003. Uh, when they were beaten by, uh, when uh, you beat the Magpies, and look, this was one of your grand final wins. Uh, so, in some sense, what's happening with the uh, the Lions tomorrow? Uh, you've been there and done that. Uh, is there a special uh, a special rivalry with uh, with Collingwood? Yeah, it's quite uh, remarkable, really, that uh, twenty years on, where the same teams are going at it. You know, we're about to celebrate. We are celebrating, literally. The team of 20 years ago, the uh, the reunion of that that premiership 20 years ago, and all of a sudden the same two teams are going at it. We're desperately hoping that our Brisbane Lions can break through to win their their first premiership since 2003. But then we've got uh, one of our um, beloved Lions uh, players, Craig McRae, coaching the opposition club. Um, who would have ever thought one of our Lions players would have coached the horrible Collingwood Football Club? But and yet uh, many of Australians have come to actually love uh, Collingwood a bit more this year because of him. Uh, because of Craig McRae and uh, what he represents and uh, how he goes about his coaching. So that's so a little bit uh, interesting, uh, just what's happening. Even Michael Voss's team as well getting to preliminary final. It's amazing how many Brisbane players have been involved in deep in September this year. How do you deal with the nerves, uh, performance anxiety, uh, you know, uh, issues around, you know, getting ready? And, and you know, of course, we want to include a faith dimension in our conversation today because uh, a lot of listeners will know that you've got a, a tremendous uh, rock-solid faith and uh, we've been able to uh, observe that for many years. But when you're dealing with those sorts of issues, uh, is there a spiritual dimension for players getting ready, uh, dealing with the nervousness? of going into a grand final? Oh, certainly. Uh, certainly, I would say there is. Uh, not, it's whether or not uh, it's recognised um, uh, by each individual. But uh, certainly for me, it was. There was uh, some... The, the pressure of 
any game of AFL football, let alone a game with the result and the uh, the prize at the end of it for a grand final is just enormous. And so, I mean, the, the great story I love to tell for me personally is the reality of uh, uh, my faith, uh, my, my faith in Jesus and my faith in uh, a bigger picture, I suppose, beyond performance uh, that helped me overcome real fear uh, throughout my career, but particularly uh, the story I like to tell in grand final week of 2001 and when we made our first uh, grand final, I had an incredible wave of fear of failure come over me and I had to find a, uh, a way to deal with that, uh, that fear, to deal with that anxiety and to deal with that pressure. And I turned to uh, uh, God's word and found uh, Philippians 4.13 to be my perfect uh, partner for the week. And, and I meditated on that scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me throughout that week. And uh, I got on the grand final day onto the MCG as uh, uh, there was some anxiety, no doubt about some, um, you know, exhilaration as well running out there. But I just felt uh, better than I've ever felt before a game. I just knew that uh, God was with me. I knew that uh, he, he would look after me. He helped me through the pressure and uh, to survive the pressure. And surely, uh, surely enough, it was a fantastic day for us and our Brisbane Lions team. I know that all sports fans are thrilled uh, that you have worn your faith proudly and uh, you've been open with your faith. I wonder if you've got a little in a nutshell uh, testimony here of when you came to faith in Christ and and we, we can talk about how that carries you through challenges, but uh, give us an, an idea of your personal testimony. Yeah, probably to, uh, to keep it pretty sharp, I... Uh was a young footballer and had built all of my whole identity, my whole purpose, my whole meaning of, of life, ultimately on becoming a rich and famous footballer. You know, my whole journey of life was going to be about football and that was uh, my uni focus really in terms of oh, I didn't have anything else, didn't have a plan B. And, and when that started to disappear a little bit, when that dream started to fade, when I was really struggling, uh, I uh, Happened to meet uh, and work with uh, a lady who now is my wife, Linda, her name is, and uh, she uh, just had a different spirit and a different character about her. And I was a bit of a moody guy, a guy that would rise and fall and have and have an identity and purpose all tucked away in football and nothing, nothing else, and all really in myself almost. And uh, and ultimately, uh, I um, particularly when I felt my career that I just felt like, well, who am I? What, what am I up to? What's the meaning of my life? And I was really seeking, really searching, really empty, to be honest. And I actually went along to a church on the Gold Coast with her. Um, and, um, and ultimately, I was uh, hoping to, to build a relationship with her, yes, but certainly I was looking and seeking to find out a greater meaning, a greater purpose, a higher purpose in my life. And sure enough, that day, I heard a European lion tamer, Case Shragi, his name is, uh, talk and testify uh, about um, about Jesus and about uh, Jesus being the lover of our soul and um, and understanding then that it was an em- enemy of our soul as well who'd like to steal, kill, and destroy. And I and I uh, in hearing his testimony, in hearing the truth that he spoke about, and then sitting in the church that day and and listening, and and he and he made a comment late in the in his uh, in his sharing. He said, "You know what? You could be a footballer with all the fame and fortune you ever wanted, but." In the end, what would it be worth if you sold your soul to get it? And you refer to Mark 8.36 in the scripture of, of selling, you know, selling a soul to gain the whole world. What, what would it be worth? And, and it just spoke to me. It spoke to me and really capped off everything that he'd said before that and helped me to understand that, that uh, there, there's, there's an identity and purpose, uh, true identity and true purpose that we need to discover that really sets us up to understand how or why we're here and how to live our life. And I, I, I discovered that. On that day, and I'm very thankful that uh, that I did. I'm very thankful that, that, that God revealed that to me because my life 
may not have been uh, may not have been continuing. To be honest, I've had some some dark times I've worked through, but because of uh, because of that that moment of uh, coming to faith, the greatest decision I've ever made. I um, I was I was able to continue to play football, fortunately, and also continue to live life uh, on purpose um, for the purpose that God created me for. Uh, we mentioned uh, these days you're working with Bond University and uh, coaching programs, uh, 3D as in three-dimensional. Uh, when you're dealing with young players, uh, those aspirations, no doubt the same as the aspirations you had uh, and identity and purpose in football alone. How important is it you know, for those young players to discover that there is a bigger dimension, that there is a faith in God dimension that can actually carry them through, especially through those times of disappointment and loss? Oh, it's enormously significant. In 3D coaching, we talk about in the third dimension. So we talk about uh, being a coach who can understand how to coach and build strategies to coach in all three dimensions of the being. Most coaches, 80%, in fact, only coach in the first dimension, the physical athlete and strength and speed and endurance, those sort of things. And then... Uh, skills and tactics, those things, they just focus on that area alone, 80% of coaches, and yet you know, 10, uh, 15 to 20 focus on the second dimension, the mindset or the psychology of sport, and then only 5 or 10% have strategies to coach elements or attributes of the third dimension. And uh, those six attributes that I talk about there are identity, purpose, self-worth, value, where you get your value from, uh, character, and significance. Those six elements, we believe, are the executive center of who people are and if we are not actually coaching people and leading people in those and they don't understand who they are through that lens first and foremost uh for me i understand that that's that's what helped me understand and how, how to get to my personal best how to understand my purpose so that i could then live it out in a true identity uh empowered to to be the best that i could be in the, the gifts that god has given to me if we don't help our young athletes understand that then they end up building an identity and purpose on anything they can grab a hold of that makes them feel valued, loved and belong. And uh, only God can truly can truly uh, um, satisfy those needs in, in, a, in every human being. Bringing that dimension that you do, you can help shape the future of the game because as those players uh, capture some of that wisdom, it is just so, so uh, precious and valuable. Hey, what's it like running on to the MCG? Uh, just uh, you know, thinking of this year's uh, Lions, this weekend, the Lions back, they haven't had a great record playing at the MCG. They've won only one of their past 15 games there. So uh, do those sorts of things uh, impact on, on how tomorrow's grand final might look? Well, they'll run out there tomorrow, and yes, it'll be the MCG. It will just be the greatest roar a player can ever hear around them in a stadium. It's just so noisy, so amazing, uh, electric electric atmosphere. So uh, it will be incredible for them. It'll almost you almost feel like a player running out and despite the fact you're playing on a game, a ground as a Lions player that you rarely play on, uh, they'll, they, that, won't, that almost won't calculate in their mind at all, to be honest. So that's what I think. Now, the previous record's interesting because they were five goals up against Melbourne uh, in the last quarter and Melbourne were able to find five late goals to beat them by you know, under a goal very recently. So the record does look poor, but the, the reality of that is they only play there a couple of times a year. Uh, you know, so there's a real um, lack of opportunity, and that, I think, breeds a fair bit of the, the getting used to that, that game. I just think there's something different about a grand final. I really do. I think, uh, as I said before, they'll come out there and they'll know they've just got to put the actions into place that they've been able to do to be able to survive the pressure and to be able to win the big games. And I think they'll, they'll understand that. And if they can do that, if, if man-to-man they can stand together 
and survive the pressure by putting into place the actions that have, that have held them in good stead, uh, the, the ground won't matter. The conditions won't matter. The opposition won't matter. They'll, they'll get it done. And I, I'm really confident they can get it done because I think they've learnt a lot from their past uh, finals experiences. And I think, uh, I think we'll see a very close grand final. But, but I think hopefully, this is my prediction, I think we'll see them win by a point tomorrow, the Lions. Uh, here's an interesting one for you. Uh, where do you think the rest of the nation will sit? Because uh, in some sense, uh, the nation loves to hate Collingwood. Uh, you either love or you hate Collingwood. Uh, do you think that, you know, listeners today in Western Australia or in South Australia, those in Tassie or in New South Wales, who do you think they'll be mostly barracking for? Will they be on the Lions' side or will they be on the side of the Magpies? Well, we know that... Uh, uh once, once there were half of Australians that barracked for Collingwood, I'm not sure if that's a reality anymore. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, there are a lot of Collingwood fans, and mo- most of the crowd will be Collingwood tomorrow. But what I, what I sense again, and even reflecting back 20 years or so when we did play Collingwood, I, I sense that the rest of the crowd will rise as Brisbane starts to rise, and and they'll sense that there's actually there's a bigger audience here and a crowd and support here than than the, than the colours we actually see. There's a lot of people who are dressed in colours that aren't ours that, that will rise when, when we go because either they don't like Collingwood or I've got to back to the other team because I'm an Essendon supporter or a Carlton supporter or whatever it might be. Having said that, Collingwood have uh, grown in uh, the love around Australia, again, because of Craig McRae and because of the way he coaches, because of the way he builds a, a club on family values. That's been significant. So I think there'll be a few more that will just lean a little bit Collingwood's way um, and I'm just excited both, you know, I'd be excited. I'd love it if Brisbane could win. But to be honest, if, if Collingwood are the better team on the day, then I'd, I'll be very happy for Craig McRae. Well, a nation divides on a grand final and AFL grand final tomorrow, NRL grand final on Sunday. Our special guest is Sean Hart. Uh, there's been some other challenges. I want to just follow through with you, Sean, because you've battled depression at times over the years. And uh, injury. You suffered a very severe injury, kept you out of the 2004 Grand Final. I want to just follow through with some of those issues and what sort of difference a faith dimension makes there. Well, on the eve of the two big Grand Finals, the AFL tomorrow, NRL on Sunday, our special guest this hour is Sean Hart, who I've introduced as a genuine legend of the game. There's not too many people who've played and won three Grand Final Premierships as Sean did with the Brisbane Lions 2001 through 2003. He was Norm Smith medalist in 2001. I mentioned not all has been smooth sailing throughout Sean's career. Sean, just picking up for a moment on one of the big challenges that you've battled with, uh, perhaps uh, even right from earlier years, and that's the issue of depression. You've had bouts of that. Uh, give us an insight here into depression and how you face that as a man of faith. Yeah, well, it was uh, the darkest time, no doubt, in my life. Uh, I've shared it many times. There was a, a real point where I um, really struggled to reach the sort of form I needed to uh, in in the game. And our, our coach, Lee Matthews, used to talk about a little cycle where you'd start with enthusiasm, you'd put in the hard work, and then the cycle would finish with success. And uh, when that wasn't happening for me and I'd, I'd done all the hard work and put the enthusiasm in and the success wasn't coming, all of a sudden uh, what came over me really, again, was fear. Uh, I'd always been someone really that battled with a little bit with inadequacy and fear as a young person, not so much anxiety, but getting into the big league and the pressure of uh, AFL football, certainly that uh, grew a little bit. But but this whole idea of uh, the fear of loss, of the dream that I had, the, the one plan I had, the, the thing I wanted to build my identity and purpose in, 
uh, became so uh, paralyzing at a time uh, in 1994, actually, that I, I really battled and I, I let fear actually win. That's why I say I let fear win. Um, fortunately, I had two people, particularly, uh, as I said, my wife, Linda, at the time, and uh, our football club chaplain, Dean Davis. I'm so fortunate to have him uh, alongside me at that time, walking with me, coming from Brisbane to the Gold Coast regularly to to just support me and just to continue to help me to keep the dream alive because I, I was just wanting to walk away, to be honest. I didn't I hated football, almost wanted to get away. Such was my mindset. I was uh, absolutely um, crippled in terms of all three of my dimensions, particularly physically as an elite athlete. I could barely run five minutes without being exhausted, so I was in a bad spot. I found myself getting uh, tucked in the bed, uh, covering myself with the covers, just wanting to escape the world for about six weeks straight, to be honest, while Dean tried to just keep helping me get out of bed, get out and go to training and just do the minimal that I had to do to keep keep the wheels turning. And, and uh, yeah, as I said, I let, I let um, fear win. I didn't um, step step into faith at the time when the greatest challenge and the darkest time came in my life. But I'm so thankful that people of you know, God's people were around me to help me um, and to survive that 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 time. I'm, I'm just thankful to be alive today because of that. Um, uh, we're losing too many people in sport and in the world because of a lack of... Uh, probably uh, confidence and trust and support in people. So I've just learned, uh, and again, that's why 3D coaching is so significant to me because I think if we coach the right way, we capture the hearts of people, we capture their minds, and we, we actually help them thrive um, and flourish, and, which is what um, God intends for us all. So uh, so I, uh, I, I found my way out of that uh, dark time, uh, thanks, to the, thanks to Dean, thanks to my wife, Linda, but it was uh, certainly a real learning um, curve for me about about what uh, the power of faith can do and how important it is where we put our faith. A lesson there too, uh, given that Christians are not immune from facing bouts of depression, but there is something that I'll get your thoughts on here, uh, this empowerment that comes from your appreciation that there is a transcendent God who has your back, who does have you in the palm of his hand. How powerful is it knowing those things uh, when you're facing those dark moments and uh, looking for a light at the end of the tunnel? Oh, it's so powerful. I just want every person to encounter the reality of that experience, the reality of that, uh, because when, when you, the revelation is true, it becomes true for you that that is right, that there's a God who created you, who, who loves you regardless of um, failings, successes, whatever it might be, that just loves you as you are, as he created you to be, then, um, then there's, there's no greater freedom, um, that, to, to be honest. And uh, certainly in terms of that dark time, when I realise that God... God is for me, not against me, um, and um, He, you know, He's created me for a purpose. And when I could take the pressure off, thinking that I'm making my own purpose, my own way, uh, it's all about footy for me. All of a sudden, the, actually, the the fear of losing went away from me in terms of losing my career. I was happy to go wherever God would place me, but but the but the 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 actual anxiety around football performance as well disappeared a fair bit. It didn't go completely, as we know, it still exists there, but. But it didn't become so significant that it became crippling at times. So uh, I was able to, you know, through that reality, the revelation of the love of God, I, uh, I was a lot freer in terms of just moving forward in my football and my life uh, in, every, in every way. Really encouraging to know that your faith can keep that black dog at bay. And uh, while it might always be there in the background, you know that your faith is a powerful way of overcoming. Hey, but it's not just depression and we're almost at news time. And I did want to ask you because uh, when you talk about career ending, uh, you found yourself in the path of 
teammate Daniel Bradshaw and he wasn't <laughs> able to avoid a collision and you emerged with massive facial injuries, shocked the medical staff. They said those injuries were consistent with being in a car crash. It really did bring an end to your uh, capacity to at least play those grand finals. Uh, this is another moment uh, where you needed faith to, to succeed to come through. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I actually saw the doctor at our uh, Hall of Fame event just recently and he, he shared something with me that I'd never known for 20 years, but he talked about my uh, upper jawbone was completely sheared through. I knew that. Um, so literally my face was falling apart. That's how bad the uh, the fracture was in my face. But he then told, described how as we're getting you off the ground, I could see one eye was popping out and dropping out literally because it had no eye socket to, to stay into almost. It was so fractured my face. So, so yeah, just... Um, by the grace of God, again, um, if I'd been hit on the temple, for instance, uh, who knows, I might might have been uh, done just, just being in that accident was such a horrendous uh, contact with uh, the hip of my teammate. But the reality is that, again, faith uh, certainly helped me to see a journey beyond football and outside of football well before that. Uh, uh, Sean, we've only got you for a few more minutes. I uh, just wanted to touch on, on a few uh, brief things. Uh, the thought that, you know, Brisbane's in the spotlight this weekend in a very big way, and I think Brisbane's also in the spotlight coming up a little later on with the Brisbane Roar uh, a little bit later in October, but uh, there's a certain sense in which I guess people in Brisbane ought to feel a little bit of sense of pride with uh, teams in the top uh, levels of the competition. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, certainly a, a great time for Brisbane sport at the moment, and uh, uh, outside of the Roar, hopefully the Roar will get the job done uh, in that competition, but the the Broncos and the Lions would be great to have a double. I just imagine the uh, the street parade back up in Brisbane, the you know the celebration, people coming out into the city there. I'd imagine that's what they'll do, uh, uh, ticker tape parade type of thing. If uh, if they both win, so that'll be uh, that'll be significant. I look forward to that if that uh, if that uh, happens and we get two Brisbane teams winning their premierships. It could be a real time of uh, almost uh, ecstatic uh, feeling of sports victories in the city of Brisbane uh, this weekend. Hey, when you're on the eve of a grand final and uh, tomorrow, uh, the AFL grand final, uh, you've faced grand finals sleepless. Uh, thoughts here about what's going on. I mean, it's, uh, it must be just an enormous pressure on every player about to uh, run onto that field tomorrow. Yeah, well, my, my own experience in 2001, seriously, the night before the grand final, I reckon it was a total of 30 minutes of sleep I got. I was actually quite worried when I uh, actually went down to breakfast and thought, oh, gee, I better check in with the psychologist and, and work out whether I should have a bit more sleep because you know, I've got to play a game at the grand final and I've had 30 minutes of sleep. Just just the uh, the thoughts of what goes through your mind and you know, that you play the game over and that, and I just couldn't get it out of my mind, couldn't sleep. But I went to see the psychologist, and I said, oh, I only had 30 minutes. Would it be worth me going back to have a bit more sleep before we get on the bus? He said, no, nah, no, nah, you could miss a night of sleep. You're that, you're that fit of player. You could miss a night of sleep, and it wouldn't matter to you. And I'll tell you what, there's another thing that will give you confidence. You're not going to fall asleep on the ground as well. That was what he said to me. So I thought, oh, I'm like, okay, I'll just uh, have some brekkie and get ready for the game. Uh, is this the power of the coach uh, who can sow a seed like that? Because uh, ordinarily you might feel like missing a night of sleep uh, could really affect your capacity physically. But is that the power of a word that's spoken by a wise coach uh, when you've got to deal with these sorts of issues with players? Yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. And uh, again, it's that three-dimensional coaching we talk about really speaks about strategies in the second dimension. How do you help 
people with motivation, with confidence, with their emotions, with issues of psychology. Um, you can't you can't just be a first dimensional coach. You need to actually know how to help people. You can have psychologists and that, but great coaches know how to put strategies into place. Like on that morning where whereby we had we had people there that could actually help us get our mindset right for the big battle ahead. Uh, these days, you are in this space of coaching, uh, training coaches, training players. Uh, the thought that, uh, you know, when you've got players, uh, they're not just there receiving payment for their services. There's something more, isn't there, in when you're training the elite sports person, bringing the best out. How do you talk about, you know, taking leadership and while it might apply on the sports field, how it might apply in all of the different dimensions of our lives? So well said. Yeah. So we we uh, really want to uh, transform coaching, and and I mean by that that a lot of coaching can be very transactional about just getting a result together with someone, uh, an outcome, um, achieving a goal. Whereas we'd like all coaching uh, to be transformational. So we talk to coaches about what their coaching purpose is. Is it a is it a, a, a purpose that's very transformational? It's it's beyond the sporting field. You know, is it all about the person first and their life, um, and then. The last part we think is performance. We sort of have a, a bit of a, a saying that if, if coaches can capture the hearts of their people, they can then um, also start to transform their life. And then they, from there, we believe they fuel performance. That becomes the last part. They, they, they help people get to their personal best, whatever that might look like, whatever skill and gift they have. That becomes the last part because they get the foundation right. And, and that's why the third dimension particularly is so significant. If we can help people truly discover their true identity, the true purpose that they're created for, and then from there flows self-worth, flows value from the right place. They're not looking to get identity in something in the world, but you know that that leaves them empty eventually. But they're actually on a solid rock of, of identity and purpose. We we believe that will set them up for their whole life of flourishing and having great relationships and then having significance or influence beyond themselves. And Sean, I only got you for another few minutes here. Uh, just to 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 uh, pick up on something really important, I think, and I know that listeners will be interested in your wisdom. Uh, when you're an elite sports person, uh, you need to have a bigger purpose. It's, you're talking about that in the third dimension. Uh, the bigger purpose for those players tomorrow, whether they win or lose, I mean, some may go to pieces. Some will be in exhilaration. What are your thoughts about what comes with this dimension of our faith in Christ? Well, I think the great thing I'd love to say is that do not let performance define who we are. So for whatever happens for any player tomorrow, the support that they have, the people they have around, the greatest thing they can do, uh, whether they win or lose, on the ongoing journey of life is to help them understand they are not defined by their performance in that grand final, whether it's successful or or um, or they don't, or their team doesn't win or they don't play well. But there's a bigger picture, a greater calling, a higher purpose for who they are a greater identity for who they are beyond uh, how they play on a particular day in a in a sporting a sporting game. And if, if, if we have trusted people around us, this is a significant part of 3D coaching that I believe all of the mental health issues that we are seeing, the, the epidemic in the world of mental health is deeply rooted in third dimensional issues of identity and purpose and self-worth and value. It's deeply rooted and it starts there. It seems like it's a second dimension thing, but I believe it's a spiritual thing, and that's that, I think that's where most of it starts in those issues. But we just need to have, as I did, trusted people uh, that understand um, that we're, we're spiritual beings first, that we've got a heart and a spirit, 
and it's the most important part of who we are and that's the most important foundation for flourishing in life and so that's what I think is the greatest thing we need uh, to help players tomorrow who either win or lose and anyone at any level of sport and in our society know that there is a greater purpose there's a greater calling uh, that you are born for um, and only in discovering that can you truly flourish and truly live a life um, that pleases God and, and, and is full of joy and peace. Wonderful insights, wonderful wisdom, and I hope we can uh, continue a conversation about some of these things perhaps on another day, but time is short. You're in demand. It is the uh, the, 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 the day before. It's the eve of grand final, and uh, Sean Hart, uh, genuine AFL legend of the game, thank you so much for taking some time to share these thoughts and your heart with listeners on the eve of the grand final. Thanks for being with us, Sean. My pleasure. Go Lions. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.